When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back in the boardroom to record our latest edition of the Tripe Supper. It seems to have been a little while since we've last been here. It's uh, the small matter of beating Manchester City in the FA Cup, getting drawn against Arsenal and, and a deadline day has passed as well. But we're going to touch on, on the terraces. That's where we're going to start. Obviously, Borough fans were standing at Brentford at the weekend. Um, uh, from what we hear, it's a good experience. You always hear positives, don't you, from fans about standing. Is it something that should be brought back, do you think? I, I certainly think it's something that... I think there's enough momentum behind safe standing in this country to, for for at very least a trial of some description in the championship and possibly even the um, the Premier League um, it's been done across Europe you know Germany the fantastic example of their biggest stadiums have sections for standing supporters which can be converted to seating at the, uh, literally in five minutes um, they don't seem to have any problems the fan experience which is the, one of the most important things seems incredible you can see them, you know, and 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 we're seeing now in England groups of fans like the Red Faction, the Twelfth Man, in, in at Middlesbrough, for example, who want to have that kind of match day experience mm. as well. Wave flags, sing songs, bang drums, get behind the team. A lot of those fans stand for ninety minutes now. Anyway, we saw the Borough fans at Manchester City standing for ninety minutes. Surely, it's more safe to have those who want to stand standing in a in a safe environment. And those who want to sit to sit, um, I can't see why can some sort of controlled experiment can't take place, um, whether it be for half a season or for a season. Let's 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 in, in, keep fans involved and maybe just make them feel as though they're part of the experience again. I, I know. Just be, just before we uh, get to you, Vic, you say about the away games. There, I mean. I can't remember the last time that you didn't see Borough fans standing throughout an away game. It just part and parcel. I mean, Man United used to do it, didn't they, years ago? When they used all fans to, but stand. now everyone does it, yeah. It's just part all, and parcel all, of the all away fans day, stand. Uh, one of the problems is that, obviously, there's a legal requirement of the clubs to, to maintain their ground regulations, which is decided by bureaucrats. In practice, all fans stand at moments of excitement, and the clubs accept it, the police accept it, the stewards accept it, and the only reason it is... Uh, against regulations is because of politics. It's got nothing to do with safety. In a modern engineered stadium, there is no reason whatsoever that uh, seating should be the, the, the first choice for, for uh, safety requirements. If anything, standing in a row of fixed seats is more dangerous than standing on a terrace. Mm. And it's ludicrous that you can watch one sport and it, something be illegal... And in the same stadium, you can watch another, another sport and it's legal. It, it is a whole bunch of contradictions and the entire legislation was based on uh, a knee-jerk reaction and political expediency from a government that hated football fans. Football fans have always been treated as second-class citizens. And we're in a modern era now where everything, in every aspect of commerce and uh, uh, retail, we're told that the customer is king. It's all about choice. We have a government that's totally dedicated to a, a libertarian outlook where where we are supposed to have freedom of choice. Yet in football, that doesn't apply. No. That's a very strange, contradictory position. 
the, the politics of this situation have been changing the last couple of years because whenever they're exposed to the arguments, even right-wing politicians have to accept that this legislation is a complete and utter mess and it's unenforceable. And what politicians and the police hate more than anything is legislation that they cannot, that they cannot enforce. So just to, just to clear it up, if Brentford were to get promoted this year, uh, and judging by the performance on Saturday, they're certainly capable of making the playoffs, aren't they? They're, in the summer, that'd have to be the, the terracing. It'd have to be chalked yeah. off and seats. It'd have to be. If they weren't, if if they stay in this division, then they would have to spend stupid amounts of money the following year. Yeah, it's two years. You get two or three. The third years. season, you have to you have to comply with the ground regulations. So they've been perfectly happy with that ground and those level of crowds for. 20, 30 years since the rules changed and next year they will suddenly have to spend two, three, four million pounds putting in place seats that nobody wants and aren't needed. I think that's the, I think that's the contradiction that's absolutely right, that you can watch top flight rugby union, I was just top flight rugby, rugby league. league. You get 20,000 in, you know, in you, a ground. You, know, you go to Headingley um, and they've got a terrace behind one of the, uh, behind the posts at one end. And the main south stand. And the main south stand. Um, you, you go to, they, they're, they're building new rugby league grounds with terracing. That is part of the fan experience. They expect to stand. Now, to me, the no-brainer is it's either unsafe or it's not. And clearly, because standing's allowed at the lower levels of football as well, there's an acceptance within football itself that it's not inherently unsafe to stand. We've got, we've got legislation that Vic's talking about there that was based on stadiums that were effectively Victorian um, um, creations that were not fit for purpose in the late 80s, particularly at the height of hooliganism when they were, when they were fenced off. Um, there were shallow steps, they were quite often badly maintained, um, the, uh, there were huge fences at the front, as we, know, as we saw at Hillsborough, that stopped fans escaping onto the pitch, and um, that nobody is calling for that. The, the stadium technology's moved on, the fans wouldn't put up with that anymore, they're expected, as Vic says, they're customers, and they expect a level of comfort that you just didn't get in 1979, so, or 1989 for that matter. So, the ground rules have changed, but, but there's clearly a desire for a section of fans. I understand why Liverpool have said they will never go back to standing. There's a huge emotional reason for that, and it goes to the, you know, 96 people died at Hillsborough, and, and, and terracing was just a factor within that. Um, but there were near misses also at other grounds that were down to the fact that the terracing was substandard and the, sta- the, the, the fencing was very dangerous and the, the police were treating fans like hooligans and not like customers and, uh, and to be fair clubs were too so that's a different argument but um, as I say why not give it a try uh, I think there's grounds in the, in the Premier League in particular would would benefit from that. We look at look at the Stadium of Light. There's always banks of red seats mm-hmm. at the Stadium of Light now. I'm sure some sort of controlled standing there would help the atmosphere. Villa Park's seldom anywhere near full. The atmosphere, a lot of grounds in the Premier League, you better not tell Sky this, but it's pretty average. Mm-hmm. Certainly not can't compare to the Bundesliga, where you watch the highlights on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday night or whenever, whenever they're on now on ITV4, whenever it is. You see fans creating an atmosphere. And one of the reasons they can do that is because they've got their own area where they can express themselves... Uh, we see that to a degree at the Riverside in the South Stand, don't we? There's no reason why we couldn't have a controlled version of that. And um, 
I just see it as a win-win. And you talk about the Premier League there, sorry Phil, um, about the lack of atmosphere. The one ground now where there seems to be a real atmosphere is Sellers Park. And that's because there's that cluster of Palace fans in the bottom corner who stand throughout, don't they? You see them with the drums like you you were saying. The the dynamics have changed a lot over the last 10 years. I I think some praise must go to the Football Supporters Federation who've put together a very good uh, lobbying uh, network involving people who who have been high-level matchday commanders in the police, uh, who are lawyers, who are architects, who are specialists in, in crowd control. Uh, and they've, they've done a lot to neutralise the arguments against uh, the, the safe standing movement, which were nearly always emotional, and it always involved you, you had to discuss Hillsborough, despite the fact that report after report after report showed that it wasn't standing, it was poor policing, poor design, and fences... Mm. All those elements have been taken away. All, nearly every ground now is incredibly well stewarded. They're very well designed. The police are a lot more uh, sympathetic to, to the crowd dynamics. Everything about the old cocktail that made football grounds dangerous has gone. And at the same time, there's been some really good political arguments made by people like the Football Supporters Federation. They've taken, they, they have a, a section of standing that they take around and demonstrate exactly how it works. You know, they're rail seats... Uh, each each place in a standing area has a designated spot, just as you do with seating. You, you know, it can be season ticket only, uh, but those it is an area where people choose to stand, and that gives you uh, freedom of, uh, of choosing how to consume the game. It gives the, the authorities control because they know who's where. Uh, ticketing is uh, uh, numbers can be controlled. The police. But almost every every time the police have, have been involved in these discussions, have welcomed it. There is no objection on any legal uh, uh, safety grounds anywhere in the country. What is lacking is a political wi- will. In the same way that no politician will ever tackle the drugs issue, no politician will say, "Hey, you know what? Let's bring back terrorism," because they're scared that they're going to get smeared in the media by. You know, this is the man who thinks Hillsborough's okay, well, think, and that's what we need to break away from. I think the other thing that's stopping it are the clubs themselves. A lot of the clubs just like the way it is at the moment because they can charge top dollar for seats. Um, <coughs> they don't want the hassle of convert, which would be very cheap. It would less than, probably less than the players' salary for six months to to actually convert a part of the ground. They don't. They don't want to, as Vic says, don't want to be seen to be the club that went down that path. But I think there is a change among certain clubs that are struggling to fill their grounds. Once you've been in the Premier League three or four seasons, and it's not utopia, you do get stuck in 12th place. Mm-hmm. You do end up in drab nil-nil draws with Stoke and Hull, and indeed Tottenham and teams like that for that matter. It's, it's, it's a nutritional league as much as anything. And, and one of the things that happens after a couple of seasons, we saw it with West Brom a few years ago, we saw it with Borough, we see it with Newcastle. These grounds don't have a particularly good atmosphere a couple of seasons after promotion because the excitement of just being in the Premier League isn't enough anymore. And it's I just, the same old, isn't and it? I just like to come on to, as Vic rightly says, um, there's a knee jerk reaction to. And against standing from certain quarters. There's also an inbuilt arrogance about seating that it's inherently safe. Now, there have been incidents, including Borough fans for that matter, where supporters have been extremely badly stewarded. I think in the Sunderland match a couple of seasons, a few three or four seasons ago, where there's been congestion around exits because fans have been herded into particular areas. Mm-hmm. And I hear too often people saying, well, seats 
where there'll never be another Hillsbury because seats exist. Well, if you get too many people in, the, in a small space, confined space, and trap them there, accidents can and will happen. We see it in European games. We saw Borough fans in Roma trap like hooligans when they've done absolutely nothing wrong. You see this too often, this, this belief that just because every ground's all seated now, fans can't, aren't at peril if, if, if the organisation is poor. And I think that's another thing that needs to be reminded. Whether we go back to standing or not, you can, as Vic says, Terrace was only one constituent part of the Hillsborough disaster. Other factors fell into place to enable that to happen. It could happen in a seated ground just as easily. Just briefly then, will it happen? Or four or five years down the line, I do you think, think you'll still be having the will. same conversation? The elements are already in place. For instance, last year, the Football League, at its annual meeting, withdrew its objection to, uh, to uh, the possibility of an experiment. We always talk about it being legislation. It's not legislation. It's a statutory instrument, which is different. That means it's not an actual legal requirement. It's down to the local councils and their police and safety committee. It's not actually legislation, which makes it fairly easy to, for someone who is brave and is willing to take some media flack to do it. If the Football League have no objection and there's no legislation in place, it comes down to basically a local constituency if a club is agreeable, if they cooperate with maybe the local fans group, the local equivalent of the Red Faction, and the local council can be persuaded that this is a worthwhile uh, experiment, then I think it will happen. Big clubs have advocated. Aston Villa said they'd be willing to do an experiment, but the Premier League still nominally have an objection. Celtic said that they'll be willing to do an experiment. So this is not just small clubs where, you know... Uh, Doncaster think they might be able to get an extra 600 people in or whatever. I mean, there are powerful people within the game now who are no longer objecting. And it just takes one brave club yeah. to say, you know what, we're doing a bit of redevelopment, we're going to give this a shot. I think another example is finally on the, on the double standards issue is the Stadium of Light holds concerts every summer. It's got an all-seating rule for its football matches yeah. and indeed a no-drinks rule inside of the pitch as well and yet three or three, four times a summer they will allow people to stand on their pitch albeit covered with whatever it is plastic sheeting or whatever more, many of them in high, high states of alcoholic inebriation <laughs> they and are I, mortal and, 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 and to the point where they're a danger to themselves and other people and they push and shove and are rammed onto a pitch yeah. up against a barrier in a fashion that would be deemed unthinkable in football and yet that goes on. Now, I, can't, I just cannot get my head around how one far, far more threatening and dangerous situation is allowed to take place, while another controlled um, version of standing is somehow unthinkable in the same stadium. Um, it, it, it's illogical, it doesn't stack up. As Vic says, it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, I mean, once over, you'd get the... You know, myself and Vic have had conversations with with the chairman at Middlesbrough and the chief executive. We even, you know, we had a lot to do with the with the stadium being reconfigured so that the fans were behind both goals and not just behind the north stand. And we did touch on standing briefly. And I think in the past it's fair to say the club were probably definitely not. And this is going back a couple of years now, but it was much more open-minded to, well, let's think about things. What can we do to improve the atmosphere? We understand that we don't want a stadium that feels empty and feels unatmospheric. And the work that's done, been done so far at the Riverside in the last 18 months 
was unthinkable five years yeah. ago. It's made a world of difference the, the, as well. The self-policing of the red faction this season could yet be a factor that may make the club approach this again. Mm. There was a time when they were absolutely adamant. Yeah. And if you talk to Steve Gibson about it, particularly he, he tells a tale about driving home the day listening to Hillsborough on the radio and said, this will never, ever happen mm-hmm. you know, in my stadium. And that was one of the drivers for him moving out of Ayrson And Park. the Leeds incident yeah. as well. They, so he, he has personal he, he believes he has a personal responsibility to everyone that walks through the club so I think for him it would take uh, a quite marked demonstration that fans would respect the choice if it was given to them but I think the way that the Red Faction have, have reacted to their move uh, has been fantastic and I think it's been noted by people and we're seeing aren't we now um, at the Riverside You've got two home ends. Yeah. We've gone from a situation two years ago where Borough attacked empty banks of seats for 45 minutes, mm. which was hugely self-defeating. Or a few dozen or away few fans dozen that away were tucked fans. in the top corner. And then yeah. now, we see, and because the fans are coming back, we're now mm. seeing three quarters of that south stand full of Borough fans. And people are coming back to the north stand mm. as well. So the stadium is becoming... It's not there yet, but it's getting back to being that fortress it was in the early days of the Robson roller coaster, where you couldn't hear yourself think. Mm-hmm. And it shows that if everyone sits down with an open mind and a desire to improve things and to try new ideas, that things can be done that will improve the match day experience for everybody. And also, it looks good on telly, which is a good advert. Yeah, of course. There's nothing worse than watching the highlights and seeing nobody in the ground. No. That's not a good incentive to go yourself. But when you see a goal go in, and immediately behind the goal there's celebrations, yeah. that's something that you, mm. you would want to be part of. I mean, hypothetically, you could have a situation in two, three, four years where the South Stand's got a, 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 a terrace at the front and seats at the back for the home supporters. You go around the corner to the um, East Stand, in that, and the front of that could be for away fans who want to stand, yeah. and seats behind for away fans who want to sit. But I think it's important to offer fans the choice we go back to the the, the, the big uh, um, Steve Gibson's point about Hillsborough, and he also mentioned Keith Lamb in particular made this point: the incident that happened when the Leeds fans were at Ayrson Park, and um, homes, uh, visiting supporters in the home end were shepherded into an already full section of terracing, to the point where people had to be hauled out. And this was six months after <coughs> Hillsborough, and uh, the home supporters had a lot to do with that in terms of just raising awareness to the stewards and the police that there was a genuine problem. Mm. And that's one of the decisions they made as well to, to, to build the riverside and say, look, we don't... We don't the Essen Park was great in 1920, 1930, 1940. It's not fit for purpose. We'll build a new stadium. And I think that's, that intelligent analysis of, you know, that we've moved on from that now. We've moved on into a new era. I think that's, I think that's vital. And we could, the next step of that now is to think, right, let's have the best of both worlds. Yeah. Because yeah. it can happen. It's a discussion that goes on and on, isn't it? I mean, moving on, um, Borough, again, the game against Charlton on Saturday starts at a flurry of fixtures. It's seven games in 21 days, is it? Which We've branded it the fixture, Bob. <laughs> and I think th- <laughs> this time, you know, this next, next three, four weeks will demonstrate just why it's so important, isn't it, to have such a big squad and the strength and depth of two players in every position that, that Karanka has, has spoke about. Do you think he'll... he'll tinker with his squad in the coming weeks? Well, I think when you're playing a game every three days, you have to. There's no, there's no getting away from it. Uh, you'll also have not just not necessarily bad injuries, but it's the recovery time between games, and that's one of the most important things in, in football. 
very often a fan will say, oh, you know, they're a bunch of fannies, why can't they play two games in three days? They're paid X squillion pounds a week. That's not really the point. The point is the preparation time in between, recovery time for your muscles, and yes, you can play. You, we, we know you can play a game every day for a week, but by the end of it, you can barely walk down the stairs because it does take its toll on your muscles. And you want to put out a team that is as close to 100% as possible. Mm. And that means rotating the players. But Luckily, we've got a squad big enough and with the ability to do that. The great thing is, is you know, we've already seen going into this period the, the fixture bomb, which is the only <laughs> official version you can now use. Um, is, uh, we've seen Borough win with nearly every combination of players. Wiltshot played at um, Rotherham, mm. was man of the match and Borough won. Vossen started at Brentford, played, made a great contribution. Borough won, albeit <laughs> a little bit nerve-wrackingly. But, so there are examples right across the pitch where by players have been missing. And the t- you know, Will, uh, yeah, Dean White had played it right back at Man City and Borough won. Mm. You know, the, the squad has been doing this already. All season, Karank has been moving one in, one out, two in, two out, three in, three out. In fact, it's barely a week goes by where at least three players don't change from match to match. He he, he keeps an eye on them in training. They, they you know, they, it's a scientific job now. It's not, it's not just instinct. Although that maybe comes into it a little bit. It's which players looked a little bit short in training this week. Not because he's not trying, because he's genuinely fatigued. getting close yeah. to fatigue. Yeah, yeah exactly, and. Um, it's absolutely critical that you do that because you don't want to burn out your best players. So the, 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 the desire to have 22, 23 players, as he always says, Karanka, is, he's not messing about when he says that. That is what he wants. He wants two right-backs. He wants two left-backs. We saw this week with Ayala being suspended. Kenneth came in. They kept a clean sheet. Mm. You know, and he grew into the game as it went on. That is why they've done it. And... There's no guarantee it'll work, but it gives you the best chance possible of it working. And it's quite remarkable to think that, you know, Ken came in, if he hadn't came in, Woodgate was on the bench. If he didn't come in, Callas was there. It really is, you know, terrific strength and depth, isn't it? Especially when you look at hips, which I think McCarthy had said before, well, at the start of January, how the fact that his squad was so tight-knit was their strength. But the next couple of months is going to be a real test for a, for a small squad like that, isn't I mean, it? The other thing is, it's not just people coming in at random. and uh, Everyone in, the, everyone in the squad, everyone in the club knows the shape, they know the system, they know the demands of a particular role, they train in it even if they're not expected to play, so they're familiar with any possible scenario and I think that makes it a lot easier to, to uh, make a few changes and it is three or four a week without, you know, without question but everyone that comes in and every player you, you speak to will say it doesn't matter what the component parts are of this unit we all work together really well because they all understand their role and other people's roles. And it, it's not, I'm not saying it's total football, but everybody in the squad knows what everyone else's job is. And because of that, they have like a, there's a cultural identity about the club, which makes it much easier to, to change three or four players without damaging the, the brand of football, the style of football, and the way they approach the match. And it also helps, of course, if you're winning. And, you know, everyone's in it together when you're winning. And it's, it's cliche, but it's true. You know, mm. if, Borough, if Borough were now mid-table and losing and winning and losing and winning every week, and there was, you know, then you would have players who would think, well, why am I not in the team? You know, when you leave me out, we'll lose. No one can say that. You know, there's no player 
really can sit and say, if you don't pick me on Saturday, we won't win. Mm. Because they've won without everybody. I think even did the win win ground, he wasn't in the team. Yeah. He's just about the only player who, him and uh, George Fenner are the only players who, who never miss. But, you know, there are one or two, you know, Ben Gibson's a, a, a regular at the moment. Because Ayala he, went fit, yeah, seems to be. But, yeah, but yeah. by and large, there's nobody can say, if you don't pick me, we won't win, because that simply isn't the case. <laughs> The fixtures that are coming up are, are really interesting, and you know we're guilty of just looking at our squad and you know the implications of the of the fixture bomb on, on our lads. Yeah, but, you know, I think we'll call it the vortex of fixtures. For those <laughs> <laughs> but other teams are going through exactly the same thing, and if other teams have only got uh, maybe 14 first choice players, and then the rest of them are having to patch patch things up and slot people in that are uncomfortable, then that's going to degrade their performance, and. People keep on telling you about the week of destiny that's coming up in March, but most teams have got to play six or seven games before then, and a lot of the teams around us are playing each other. You know, we know that uh, Bournemouth and Derby play, but also Ipswich and Watford play, and Norwich have to play Bournemouth and Derby. You know, the, the, the potential permutations there mean that this six six games coming up really are a pivotal point. Uh, we could be six points, eight points clear by the time we go into the week of destiny <laughs> if we survive the fixture bomb <laughs> if, it's if, a big if but I mean, it, it is also really exciting yeah. I think you know sometimes we, we see these things in terms of a, a problem uh, because of the, the, the logistics of it but you know this is really exciting it's been a fantastic season and we can go up a notch here and I think that's the thing if Borough do or don't go up this, at the end of the season nobody's going to say the squad wasn't deep enough no no. You know, you could. It'll come down to whether the team played well enough on the day. But you can't say, well, if only the chairman had backed the manager to get an extra fullback or an extra midfielder, because he's done that. He's got it. You know, you could you could pick two 11s at the moment with Borough, and you have a fair confidence that yeah. either eleven would do a job on the day. Mm. And there's not many clubs, if any clubs, in the in the top half of the championship at the moment have got those resources. So, with the possible exception of Derby, so. It's you know let's see how it goes, but very very well placed for the fixture bomb. Fantastic, thanks uh, thanks a lot for that, fellas. Um, the vortex of fixtures <laughs> start against Charlton on Saturday, as ever. We'll be live on the blog from from two pm on Gazette Live. <laughs>